And with that, that's how we're going to open the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another, another amazing episode of You, Me, and Lore with your hosts, Kenny Gomez, a.k.a. Ken Dog, and the uh, ball bouncer himself, my brother from another mother, White Jesus, Brandon Wayner. Brandon, welcome back, baby. Episode six. How you feeling? Man, bouncing balls like James Harden or Mia Khalifa. Take your pick. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> just, Why? Did, did, it, did, did it have the effect I was shooting for where your brain went one way and then had to do a drastic change to a different direction? <laughs> you suck because in my mind, I'm like, well, James Harden is playing terrible for this. Like, playoff James Harden it, it's, is a disappointment. And, I, and, and, I, I want, and I've got to clarify this. I think James Harden is a phenomenal athlete. I cannot do what he does. But clearly, my man is not, he's not built for the playoffs. And then Mia Khalifa is not built for sports, sadly. Um, I don't know, man. I saw her doing some pretty athletic shit. <laughs> oh, no, man. I was just talking about her, her sports broadcast career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not, not, not her What's she doing now? Didn't she, doesn't she have a new gig? Um, I think she's, she's doing modeling. I think she has a OnlyFans and remember I, I told you last night, she's, uh, she's dating that, that Spanish artist now. So we've adopted her is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, fucking yeah. Googling her still has the same results as it did 10 years ago. So like no change. Um, yo, it's wild that she didn't actually make any money. I think she made like 14 K. Damn, <laughs> I don't know. You, I don't know how you want me to react to that. <laughs> I, no, I mean, there's, there's no, there's nothing to interact. But it's wild to be, at you know, at her time, she was like top level. She's still number actress. one on like, on like the lot of- <laughs> She's still like the number one. Like if you go and like sort by fucking uh, actress rating, she's still number one. You know what's gonna blow your mind? Hopefully Mia Khalifa, but yeah, what? <laughs> the so the hen god was at college with her, and he had no idea. No shit. Mm-hmm. Was that pre? Was, this- was that pre boob job though? Because I wouldn't blame him if he didn't know at the time. No, no, it was um. I get it. Actually, I think it is pre boob job. It's literally right before her career took off. Ah, they were gotcha. at the same college. Mm-hmm. She no was a, shit. She was a normie. Well, obviously, everybody starts off as a normie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's your starting class in life. 
I take that back because I'm so deep into Sonic you. That dude rolled a wild character. <laughs> oh my god, we are not talking about Sonic you. I thought you were gonna like segue. Speaking of uh, normies and classes, <laughs> we're gonna pick up on the class of Spartans. No, fuck them. We'll get to them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the Electric Hedgehog Pokemon. <laughs> oh my god, bro! I'm not opening that box. Yeah. I like looked at images. I'm, and after what you told me, I am beyond good. All right, yeah, just take my word for it. Honestly, you are missing a hell of a story, but um, yeah, it's Why not. Don't... It's not worth the Pandora's box. <laughs> you, you, if you want to give a a brief blurb to anybody who's listening, just so that way God. they can check it out at their at their leisure. All right, so fucking Sonichu, the Electric Hedgehog Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over it. Um, his arch enemy was Aspergew, the As- Asperger's Hedgehog type Pokemon. And um, yeah, man. So basically, this guy, this this dude, was trolled for like a decade straight. Um, he was autistic, uh, super religious, and homophobic, and super racist. And like, he made this like thing. I, I guess you could call it a comic. <laughs> I guess very loosely defined. Uh, it's a manga. It's a manga, everybody. That's oh what it man, is. no, I, that's that's too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but he would hand draw these things. They weren't good. <laughs> they were done in like with like Crayola markers, and then he would like scan them and then type for the words. And then, uh... I'm like, wait, there weren't even actual, like, fucking, uh, like, dialogue boxes? It was just like, hey... He would draw the dialogue boxes, but then he wouldn't write anything in them. I think it's because he couldn't spell, so he relied on the autocorrect. Yo, that poor man doesn't know, like, there there's a dialogue box image it would have made for him. It would have made his life so much more easier. Well, trust me, once you get deep in the life of this guy, his, his, his life is just not meant to be easy. <laughs> I'm not defending him by any means because the story ends with him currently sitting in jail right now, right this second. So, Yo, that's a that's a different podcast. Yeah, that's a different podcast. So, so just go ahead, you know, if you the lore series that we're not going to touch, like ever. But there is a like 68 part fucking YouTube docu series about him if if you want to go that way. Each one is like 40 minutes though, so. What I'm hearing is it's going on the you, me, and Lore watch list. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, think so. yeah. Well, it'll go under um, true crime. It'll be under the true crime category. We don't have a true crime category. <laughs> we do today. Our categories are Tombstone and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Those are our categories. <laughs> I, wait, with, you gotta, you gotta, with Val Kilmer all. and without Val Kilmer. Those are our categories. All right, so uh, Batman Forever is 100%. Wait, on no, list. those both have Val Kilmer. Those aren't exactly. even our categories. Yeah. Yo, I did, okay, I gotta, I had to verify this, but I want you to think about it. Allegedly, Marlon Wayans was supposed to play Robin in that movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Supposedly? Like, how supposedly? Like, went to casting? Or, like, turned down the script? Or, like, he mentioned it in a tweet? 
<laughs> like, no, Leslie, he was cast and everything. And then something happened with production where they had to, like, I think it got delayed. And they ended up recasting him with um, Chris O'Donnell. And really? I guess, and literally, allegedly for his troubles, they still paid him like he did the movie. They're like, yo, the money's yours. Our bad. <laughs> no shit. I did not know that. I'm going to fucking fact check that. That sounds yeah, super alleged. That's what I'm saying. Allegedly. Allegedly. I gave you the kudos to saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> I gave you the back door to, to run out when our fans email us. <laughs> I, I just don't want the, the stand letter. <laughs> Dear Kenny. God. <laughs> Uh, real quick, Brandon, catch the kids up. What are we talking about today? All right, so today we we just finished going over um, last episode. We talked a little bit about the Spartans starting their training camp. Um, we ended with them talking about the Flash clones and how the Flash clones are doing far better than originally anticipated. Um, this episode, we're going to be going way deeper into their boot camp um it's pretty much all going to be about what these like six and seven year olds have to do in order to save the galaxy from humanity um on top of that there are going to be a couple little side things that we talk about but nothing too important um the resources that we're going to be using for today are halo the fall of reach halo silent storm halo contact harvest halo shadows of reach the official spartan field manual and as always, Halsey's diary because I can't stop, can't stop, won't stop. Addicted to the shindig. Carhop, he says I'm gonna win big. Carhop, is that the Nigerian prince that keeps emailing you? No, nah, man, I'm, those are fucking some. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not friends today. Not not today. <laughs> we actually didn't talk at all today. You're like, yo, you good to record today? I was like, yeah. <laughs> But that's that's the beauty of our friendship that we don't have to say words to each other. Like if me and you ever have to clear the air, we'll be like, hey man, we gotta talk about some shit. But other than that, us not talking is still an indicator that we're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, tell that to my second ex-wife. Um, so to catch the people up a little bit, I'll go ahead and kick us off, or else you and I will be here. <laughs> All day, um, uh, we're 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 doing the new thing. We're we're lean and mean this episode. I don't think we have it in us <laughs> to, to to do that. But to start us off, um, I'm going to go ahead and start the timeline. Ken Dog, do you have anything prior 2518 that you want to talk about? I do not. Um, but we should probably do shout outs real quick. Oh, I didn't know we had shout outs. Was I supposed to get a shout out? My mom didn't sign my note. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Shout out, you know those 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 sweet, sweet, wholesome boys, the the Puerto Rican and and the and the gentleman who 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 blessed us with his soapbox moment. Oh, oh. you you're talking about the dudes at the laundromat. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nah, okay. So real quick, shout out. Hey, we had an awesome opportunity uh ken dog and i <laughs> for some reason people decided that we should go live <laughs> Which, it actually ended up well yeah it ended up really good we we were really good i almost went off like you saw like there's a little there was a moment when i went back and watched it you could see the the light come in my eyes and then leave because i was about to say something stupid at a certain part 
Oh, you weren't the only one. I forget which conversation he was. Uh, it, a matter of fact, it was the uh, the uh, the vinegar strokes com, mm. like comment he made. I was about to be like, "Oh, I 100% agree with you," <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna save it for I'll save it for our, our podcast. Nope, our our political careers are held. But uh, we ended up going on DD214's gaming uh, channel. We we went with them live, and it was like. I wasn't ready for it. It was like a whole ass episode to get dedicated to us, dude. Like it was great. <laughs> I love talking about me. <laughs> so I'm we have glad to there was the another uh, another Puerto Rican man. Shout out to my boy Jonathan, man, <laughs> holding it down. <laughs> Yo. Yo, he was fucking, he was the head honcho of the whole shindig, too. That man was running buttons. He was like moving screens. He he had cam shit going on. Like, that Go. dude was fucking wired. That dude was in the fucking Matrix while doing a podcast live. <laughs> like, it was wild. I couldn't do that. I'm too stupid. My man is a net runner. Facts. Facts. But yeah, we're going to end up, uh, we got to hit them up. We got to schedule something to get them on here. When we do Warhammer. <laughs> oh, eight years from now. I'm pretty sure Jay will be dead in eight years. Like that. <laughs> I hope Jay beats the odds. I hope he's like F you, motherfucker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a survive out of spite just to be on he that would. episode. He's the type. He would. He would. He's gonna outlive me out of principle now, just because I said something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh man. Jinx. <laughs> oh man. The ending of that fucking episode was hilarious too, with the fucking Grognak the Barbarian making a break. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord, yo. Oh, also, shit. I wanna. I need to. I need to check. We need to check out um, Jonathan and his wife's uh, GTA live, like real live stream. Dude, I am so down to fucking get like not play it, but <laughs> just check it out. <laughs> yeah, just check it out. Yo, the Hen God was talking the other night about wanting to do, wanting to jump in one of those. Oh yeah, no, he he he's the one that put me on it. He put me on it, so I'm not surprised that he's ready to do it. You, you know what's funny? Um, and I, I'm just going to mention him, and me and you can talk about it offline. Um, he used to do something similar, but for, for fighting games. Like, there were, like, actual like, tournaments. And, <laughs> Joe Rogan, yes. Before the, <laughs> before the UFC, people used to, like, RP, like, fighting game battles, and you would have to, like, write out, like, your... your it's... It would come together and make a compelling fight, and then the judges would based who had like the better writing. This is the early early nineties. Like, I was gonna say 2000s. that does not sound entertaining to me at all. Uh, what you're that sounds like? Analy- did I ever tell you that I tried to get on YouTube back when like it just started and there was no like let's players? Stop and I was playing. I, I was. I, yep, I was playing fucking NASCAR and I was narrating the NASCAR race I was driving. How do you narrate NASCAR? No, you don't, no, no. It wasn't no. good. That's why it, it's not alive anymore, and I'm here with you instead of with Markiplier. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you because we are not opening the NASCAR <laughs> pit stop. We're not opening that boy yet. That boy, blah. I can't even talk. You got me fucked up on that. <laughs> oh, man. I was fucking, I lived three years, like an hour away from Talladega. Why is it all the people I'm close to in this life, they enjoy NASCAR? Oh, I don't. <laughs> Motherfucker, you had a game. 
So at some yes. point in your life, you enjoyed NASCAR. <laughs> and then Dale Earnhardt died. <laughs> like, and then it was nothing to enjoy anymore. Are you, are you saying you're not a Kyle Busch fan? Is that what this is? I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Danica Patrick. Oh, I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> but to bring it back, shout outs to the boys. Thank you for having us on your stream. Y'all, we will be sharing the link for the stream and all that. So stay tuned for that. Also, I do want to give a shout out to a Twitch streamer. I want to give a shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, Kevo Loco on Twitch. Check him out. He streams um, Mario Kart, Pokemon. He's got a couple videos on YouTube. Some um, actually a lot of Pokemon playthroughs. But shout outs to Kevo Loco. My man's was showing us love on his stream. I won't watch a stream that doesn't have Sonichu in it, so. <laughs> you and Sonic, <laughs> dog. The, I'm so deep in the lore at this point. Um, but any other shout outs, Ken Dog? I, I don't have any shout outs this week. I'm I'm weak this week. Nobody nobody helped nobody helped us out outside of fucking DD two fourteen <laughs> on my end no, anyway. That that's all I got for for right now. I'll probably should just shout out um, people who follow us on like social media and all that. I'm a I'm a double check where we're at on that, and then we'll. We'll show those people some love. But nah, man, let's kick it off. Let's do it big. So we're going to start our fucking tale this episode on December 10th, 2518. What's happening is now that the Spartans have been, they've been in it for about a year, which isn't long, but it is long because instead of being six, now they're seven. (laughs) So (laughs) it's a long time to them. (laughs) It's a seventh of their life they spent in training so far. They seen some shit now, yo. So this they're not kids anymore. <laughs> but um so you know, um now everybody's kind of catching their stride. Now this is a norm for them. You know what I mean? They they this is what's expected and this is what they plan on doing because they don't know anything different. And um at this point there's a couple potential leaders starting to emerge. And Mendez actually goes ahead and he places he tries to place a bet with Dr. Halsey on who he believes the leaders are going to be in this class and the money that the money that he puts is on numbers 51 92 104 and 117 those are the overall ones but the one mendez is dead set on is kurt mac daddy kurt dog the man the myth the legend and that is kurt and not kirk because we will fuck that up kirk Kurt is number 51. <laughs> Kirk also, is 18. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt. Think about Kurt Angle, a.k.a. Perk Angle, when we talk about Kurt. But, y'all, Jerome. Jerome 092, dog. I did a, Yo, uh, just a little bit of reading. I told you. I told you Jerome 92 is a fucking baller, man. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a fun episode. That's going to be a I fun I can see one. why. I can see why Mendez was like, he's definitely one of the mm-hmm. ones. Oh, he goes off and does some shit. That's for sure. Um, oh, then, for for sure. And then uh, 104 being Frederick. And Frederick is kind of... Uh, I don't know if he'll be super important in this episode. He'll probably get brought up again. But uh, Frederick does become semi-important for at least a few episodes of this podcast. So I want to make sure um, I put him up. When it comes to Frederick, just to set the tone, um, he has a beautiful mind, and I ain't talking Kevin Spacey. That's the best way to put it. Your silence is, is is deafening. What are you talking about? Dude, Frederick's fucking smart. 
Yeah, but was Kevin Spacey in Beautiful Mind? Yeah. Was he really? No. I refuse to believe that. Oh, wait. No, I'm fucking up. I'm fucking up. If you're thinking of Russell Crowe, I'm going to beat you. Oh, God. If you got Russell Crowe and Kevin Spacey mixed up, and that's the end of the podcast, everybody. Thanks for I tuning swear in. To God, See you next you, time. <laughs> how did you get fucking House of Cards and fucking the Ballerina Man mixed up, bro? This movie came out in the two thousands. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I refu- I refute your apology. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I refuse to accept it. There is no need for that. <laughs> I didn't know you were such a cinephile. What? Oh, I, I just have a thing. One of my favorite movies ever is The Gladiator. It's like such a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. Every social studies class should show it, even though it's not every factually class. accurate. We should we should base all of America on that movie, because <laughs> like, that movie is just the entirety of fuck around and find out. That's the definition. You can sum up the whole movie with that. And once again, Joaquin Phoenix seals the show. Yes, how, how is it dude, I can remember Joaquin Wa- Phoenix? Phoenix. Oof, I remember man. him as the emperor, but I can't remember fucking Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind. He was I'm great. Done. He was great and walked the line. He he's you, you ever you ever notice Joaquin Phoenix does a really good job of uh Showing some, showing off like somebody who's kind of like going through it. Like he's he's really yes. good at that. That's why he really crushed the Joker, man. Like he he fucking nailed it. I did watch the movie prior to that with him. It was um, uh, you were never really here. I believe is the name of it. Terrible movie. Sucked. <laughs> Absolute garbage. Is that the one where he uh, where it's like the documentary on how he like faked it for a year or? No, it was. It, it's basically about a hitman who like takes in a little girl I guess is the best way to put it in very short terms because there's like it's like an hour and a half movie and like there's about five minutes of like story the rest of it is just walking around (laughs) it's not great it's not good at all but he did want to go remember he did try to go to the indie shit because he was getting too big and he was starting to freak out so he wanted to get onto the indie scene so he was like "This this is a lot and then Joker came around and he was like Oh, I could do that, and then he did it. Like <laughs> he crushed it. He's he's one of the only people to not read the source material and crush it. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's wild. That's talent. Also, that movie you just described—it sounds like a ripoff of The Professional. It is. It is. It's like an indie take on it. Uh, also, if um. If you weren't born in the 90s, if you weren't born in that the 19th century, and you've never seen The Professional. Houseplant. Summed up the whole movie. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> That's a, the Professional is a great movie. Fuck, that was Natalie Portman's movie. Fucking Natalie Portman, Gary Oldman was in it. Houseplant. Summed it up. Whole movie. <laughs> You, you suck. All right, what else are we talking about today, you jerk? All right, Jesus Christ. Moving on. This Don't blame it on me. You did this. Don't try to blame your... Don't get mad at me because you fucked up. <laughs> and you got Russell Crowe mixed up. All, all, Kevin white, people look, all white people look the same to me. That's... I'm, I'm Oh, there goes your political career. Um, uh, it'll be edited out. I'm fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have editing rights. But, um... 
So they're putting monies on it, and then here's a fun word that I had at Google, and I haven't had to read a fucking word definition in a while, so here's a good one. Halsey says that she didn't want to participate in the betting because it was puerile. For you uh, vocab lovers out there in the world, that's a fancy new word to be like, no. No. Are are you just going to maintain being wrong this episode? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. At this point, I'm going to ride the wave of wrong. <laughs> Pureol is just a fancy word for saying childish. <laughs> and you knew I googled it. Why would you try to lie to me? <laughs> like, <laughs> which means no. <laughs> God damn it! I even gave you context clues, and that would even make sense. Anywho, she says, she says that's puerile, <laughs> and she won't do it. <laughs> and then uh, she says that um, in her diary, though, she does write that the reason she didn't do it in all actuality is because she already knew who was going to be the leader of all the Spartans, and that was going to be uh, that was going to be one of the kids that she met when scouting for recruits. You know what? Are we we keeping it a secret till after training? I mean. I don't think I need to. I'm pretty sure the viewers are like smart enough to put those two things together. Um, yeah, it was Kurt, y'all. <laughs> Anywho, she did doodle him doing pull-ups, though, for some reason. Right next to number 23. Ex- excuse me? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, there's a, we'll unpack that later. Yeah, there's a picture of 117 and 023 uh, doing... I shouldn't say pull-ups. I actually don't know what they are. They're upside-down pull-ups. It's fucking wild. I don't know what this is. Yo, I hope after the the podcast on the next episode, it's like, sorry, I was holding the photo upside down. No, it's on the same page. The words are going the right way, and Daisy's going the right way, but John's upside down. (laughs) So demonic possession is what happened on Reach. I don't know. He he looking kind of scrawny. Oh, they're fucking seven. Can you put, well, you can kind of put on muscle mass at seven. Yeah. Have you ever seen that documentary? There's a woman who fucking her kid had like a six pack and shit. Oh, I know which kid because uh, the hen god put me on that documentary. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, it was wild, man. Mm-hmm. But moving further on, do you have anything uh, in 2019 you want to talk about before I pick up in 2520? There's a certain exercise that happens July 12th, 2519. Oh yeah, that's that's where I would love to uh, pick up. <laughs> <But> I'm, I'm, <laughs> let me double check the months prior, and actually, it'll it'll actually kind of work. So let me um let me steal the reins here just for a moment. Oh, I, I will do want to um... gladly because this is this is <laughs> you have been. I think you only want to do the podcast so you can talk about this one thing. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> it seems like it, right? No, um. Plus, it'll kind of help because we have to recap a certain a certain Spartan that you've really enjoyed. Who that? We're going to talk about Soren. Yeah, my man. <laughs> We're going to talk about Soren, and it, it works out because not only are we going to talk about him, but the training will also encompass us going into 2519. So we're going to go back in time just a little bit, but it'll it'll take us where we need to go. Hey man, this is your week. <laughs> you just, this, is, this is my week. And y'all, just to just to backtrack and and 
remind everybody who Soren was, or if this is your first episode to introduce you to Soren. Um, Soren 066 is the only Spartan to be asked whether or not he wanted to join the program. Um, he had a very, very troubling childhood. As you guys remember, he was on an illegal farm with his mother and stepfather. She died from a, a mysterious disease that colonists were getting from living on the planet. Remember, his stepdad kind of went a little loco, and instead of taking her to the hospital, he kept her body in their main room where she was decomposing. So when Soren finally stole the keys to the master bedroom, he saw his mom and thought his stepdad murdered her. Well, as you know, he attacked the stepdad. He didn't necessarily kill him, so he ended up living in the forest. He was stalking his dad. He was living off of berries. He was eating um, worms and larvae and like in the in the forest. Um, the other thing, too... Um, he stayed watching his stepdad. He stayed watching his stepdad the whole time. So he would make um, little like patches of beds through leaves and sticks and stuff in all different parts of the, um, the, the forest. So that way he can keep an eye on his dad. And then as you remembered, when his dad also, excuse me, his stepdad succumbed to the disease, instead of helping him or killing him, he just watched him. Well, Eventually, he stayed in the forest for a couple months, and then he migrated to the colonies or to a community. And then eventually, Halsey and Keys found him, and he was offered the opportunity to join the Spartan program. So when we pick up with the uh, the Spartan program, uh, Soren actually necessarily hasn't changed um, since joining joining the Spartans. He still likes to keep to himself. He still likes to blend in. Um, he would later be known really for like camouflaging in um, with the kids and not kind of like rocking the waves. So when the kids were training, you guys remember they would start their day waking up, showering, doing PT with Mendez, and they would go and take classes um, with Deja. Well... If you ever get the chance to read Halo Evolutions, um, you actually get to see that opening day, but from the from the view of Soren. So in Fall of Reach, you get John's view, and Halo Evolution, you get Soren's view. Um, but things to kind of keep in mind with training: the first year that they were together, he actually had a big problem sleeping. In, in the bunk beds with all the other kids. And and Brandon, I ask you, what do you think was the reason why Soren couldn't sleep? Bed was too soft. That you know what's funny? That actually happened to me after college. Um but in uh, that happened to me after basic. I slept on the floor. Um well you know it's it's funny, right? So for him, every time the kids would kind of turn or like make noise it would freak him out and it would remind him of his stepdad. So he would actually wait till everybody was like asleep asleep. And then he would creep out of his bed and he would get to the, to the under his bed and he would actually feel more comfortable sleeping there. 
just because it kind of reminded him of living in the forest. And um, in terms of his upbringing, the usual, um, you guys remember that with uh, with the classes they were taking from Deja, you know, they learned they were learning math, science, English. Um, Soren talks about learning to, uh, trigonometry, algebra. Um, one of the things that stood out to him was uh, whales. Uh, during one of uh, Deja's history lessons, uh, she broadcast the images of whales. And it, it it's something that kind of stuck with him uh, throughout the throughout his his time in training. Um, another lesson, and this will this will make sense down the road. One of the things that the kids learned, and it kind of explains a certain part in Halo Reach. All the kids were actually uh, trained. They learned to pilot, you know, all the different kind of aircrafts. And one of the aircrafts that they learned to uh, to fly was the longsword. Um, and Brandon, keep me honest, the longsword that was the shit that you fly in. Um, no, it's not. It's not the shit that you fly in, in, in Reach. But it explains why. Excuse me. It explains why the Spartans, as well as the Spartan twos and the Spartan threes, why they were able to fly and use so many different vehicles because they they were trained on it as children, um, and they were trained by like hollow vids. Um, another, another piece of information that comes out in, from, from Soren's point of view that you don't really read about in Fall of Reach, uh, there, so there's a, there's a bit of a quote in Fall of Reach, and I think we were, um, Brandon, me and you were talking about it. Um, the quote is, John talks about their time, um, with Mendez, where he's like, in, in that time, they taught them how to strip a tree line, fire a rifle, treat a chest wound. Well, with Soren, he kind of goes into a little bit more detail of how they came about learning it. So at some point in, well, excuse me, the early point of the of the Spartans training, it happened on a on a on a military reservation known as the Painland. Brandon, what do you think happened in the pain land? Pain. Exactly. <laughs> Nailing it. You're killing it tonight, kid. <laughs> I'm good at this. I'm giving myself a nice little Christmas there you bonus go. for that. Tell the wife that you're bringing home the bacon. <laughs> yeah, there's no bacon to be had yet. But yeah, guys, so the pain land, it was kind of the, um, it was a, it was a military training facility. And it's kind of where Mendez did the most damage to the kids is the best way to put it. Contrary to popular belief, as we continue talking about the story, uh, all the Spartans actually hated Mendez. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, because I think about it, man. If, if you learn how to shoot a rifle, how to how to clean a chest wound, how to set up, you know, tra- trap wire... Well, it was in the Painlands. That's where Mendez did the most damage. That's where he would like fuck with the kids. He would um, he he would torture them too. He would he would torture them, trick them. He like create different traps to to grab them. And and mind you, at some point, and and you'll see this as the story continues, the Spartans learn to overdap and overcome a lot of the challenges that Mendez throws at them. And eventually, they the kids actually grow to admire 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 him. Um, same with Soren. 
who's experiencing all these things with the kids. Things to keep in mind when they were training. Eventually, the the training in the in the in the pain lands would kind of be mixed up, and then the the kids would be broken up in different groups, and then they would um, they would either train in the pain lands, they would train um, in different locations, um, and some of them would actually train against ODSTs. And the funny thing about it, as you guys remember, the ODSTs were the best of the best. Nathan Fillion dual-wielding SMGs dropping in from space. But, like, think about it. But, like, fucking a butt-ass Viking tearing up a Roman legion. Yeah, that's what I... That's that's exactly what I said. (laughs) When the kids would train with with the ODSTs, they would do a whole lot of jungle maneuvers. And as crazy as it is, and this is around when they were like six. No, excuse me. They were around eight years old. Excuse me. They were around eight years old. And, and we're still in Soren's point of view, so there's not too many dates around eight years old. And they would actually beat them. They would beat the ODSTs at the Jungle Maneuvers. How do you feel about that, Brandon? What, what do you, how could you, you thinking about all the training you've gone through, how would you have felt if you lost to like an eight-year-old? How many, how many eight-year-olds do you think you could take at once? Like me like right fight. now? Yes. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two. I'm I'm That's it? hear me out. i right now I'm not necessarily in the best shape. And like I don't know about the, these two year olds right now, but if they're spider monkeys, they might get me. Let me let me do it let me let me lose a little bit of weight and then <laughs> and then I'll I could take on four or five. So, one of the uh, one just to add to what you're saying, one of the uh, ODSTs, his name, his name is Hector Nayoto, and he was bitching up a storm that they lost. You can find that in Silent Storm if you want more on it. Because it wasn't it wasn't just like. One day they won because obviously at first the ODSTs had the advantage. Oh, clearly. But um, yeah. Then after that, it was continuous domination. It'd be like if Tom Brady Patriots was fighting consistently. Like the only games they ever played for the entire season was against the Florida Dolphins for an entire season. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> good lord! <laughs> to, to give you an idea of what that would have been. But yeah, that was in um, that was in 2019 when all that was going down. Well, with Soren's thing, it doesn't. And on his, this is so. This would be right before July of 2519. Mm-hmm. So this is just to clarify real quick. Uh, but there's one particular story I do want to talk about in their training, uh, right before the uh, the getaway training of sorts. So. As you guys know, around around seven eight, they start breaking them up and they start doing different missions. Well, one mission that Soren talks about is when Mendez takes them to a little colony known as Emerald Cove. Uh, Brandon, when you hear the name Emerald Cove, what comes to mind? Trees, water, exactly. 
Bro, you are killing it tonight. I'm Get really you good a at cookie. This. I'm really good at this. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm, I'm eating one right now. <laughs> See, boom, my man gets it. Well, the best way to, to, to sum up Emerald Cove, think of it as, as Club Med. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, sandy beaches, tons of oceans. Uh, arch- archipelago, I think is, is, the, is the correct term for it. Mendez took a group of Spartans there. You're making a bold move saying those big ass words with how wrong you've been tonight. <laughs> oh, what can I say, man? I told you, I'm going to ride the train. I'm going to ride it all the way to the promised land, baby. But Mendez took him to go do underwater training. Now, Brandon, I, I made I made a couple claims about what Mendez would do to them in the pain land. So do you think this was a typical underwater training that Mendez provided the kids? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> I'd be surprised that bastard didn't just, like, leave him in the water and, like, figure it out. Close. What he did was, <laughs> so they went diving. He sabotaged all their air tanks. Sabotaged every last one of them. So what do you, what do you think about that? Well, (laughs) I think that was rude. There we go. So how do you think the children uh, responded to these, to this uh, tomfoolery, this lollygagging that Mendez was doing? Oh, I have no idea. They stole his air tank. (laughs) No shit. Uh Uh-huh. Not only did they, um, not only did they steal his air tank. But they said, fuck it. They pieced out on the whole training. No shit. Yeah, so Soren and a, and a group of Spartans, they decided to, to fuck off on training. And they were vibing on, a, on an island. They, they spent a whole week on the island. They made bonfires. They went surfing. And they ate, they, they ate clams. So they just had a, a like dead ass had a like a mini vacation. <laughs> yeah, they dead they dead ass took a mini vacation in the middle of Spartan training. <laughs> just in the middle of Spartan training, and they're like, treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it, man. If this nigga stays beating your ass, doing terrible things to y'all, like I don't, I'll blame y'all. Yeah, man, they had a good time. They ate clams, they surfed, they got the vacation they needed. Um, this is in uh, 2519, and before I touch on July, is there anything you want to mention, Brandon? Um, yeah, there is something I would like to bring up. It doesn't. I just want to kind of give an idea into Mendez. So here's something that everybody needs to remember about Mendez. Mendez is being a hard ass out of necessity, not out of him enjoying it. Because Mendez knows what lies at the end of the road in this program for these kids. And him doing these things is honestly in the best interest of not just Oni. Because he could honestly give a rat's ass about Oni. His sole reason for being this hard on these kids is to make sure the kids come out on the other side alive. That is it. There's a lot of references talking about um, talking about Mendez and his thoughts on the program. And how, like, I'm not going to say he it was as hard on him as it was Halsey, and obviously as the kids, but um, it it was like a, 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 he was struggling mentally as much as the kids were struggling physically when it came to all this shit. Um, so I don't want Mendez to be just like, 
some asshole in the wind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, especially because he does come up again way later in the podcast. But um, no, Mendez, uh, he, he's doing it to make sure that all of them live as long as physically possible. I think the, um, the, the biggest thing people will get out of it as we continue progressing in the story, all the adults involved know what they're doing is terrible. And they, they have nothing of nothing but care for the kids. And I need to stress this part. The only ones that care are the ones in the program. Facts. Everybody else, and, and you'll see it in, in a couple years... Um, let's just say the reception of, of the Spartans was not great outside of Halsey. Well, yeah, we'll get into it when we get into it. I do want to make a sub note real quick that in 2519 as well, um, because of potential backlash, the entirety of the Spartan twos, all of their data bursts on their service records are, uh, are falsified. So, on record, each one of these kids is actually 19 years old. On record. In this quote-unquote trial program that is being... So, when people looked into the program, they would see it as like a long a long training maneuver rather than kidnapping a whole bunch of kids, replacing them with Flash clones, expecting the Flash clones to die, and then treating them like shit so that way one day they can save the human race against nuclear explosions. Um... But you know, it briefs way better that way too. So there's that. <laughs> it's like you said so much with so little. <laughs> yeah, but no, I just want to bring it up because it is kind of important because there is a certain subsect of Oni because Oni is split. We didn't get into like the whole Oni bubble. <laughs> um, there are sections of a Oni that are more classified than other sections of Oni that then are more classified than other sections of Oni. And then there's a section of Oni that none of the rest of Oni knows about. That is the true Oni. It's a whole fucking thing. And that's why we didn't get into it. Um, but at some point they will come up, which is why I'm throwing the dart into your brains now and hoping it sticks for an episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's about all I want to bring up, though, man. Because I know you have been waiting for this part for six episodes. Uh, the best way to sum it up is um, I've, I've felt like Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal for the last six episodes. I don't know what that means. I want to means. say the last six. Um, Jarhead. I think it was Jarhead. Remember, it's uh, the one where he, he just wanted to, to fucking shoot. His his rifle, he never got to shoot it. If you haven't seen the movie, too bad. Um, yeah, he gets to shoot it. No, I think the, it was... It that's was the whole ass point. ending of the movie. <laughs> he No, but he doesn't shoot it while he's over there. Yes, he does. That's the whole ass ending of the movie. <laughs> no, he doesn't. You motherfucker. Yes, he does. <laughs> he shoots it. Either way, that's how I felt. Take it or leave. It. I oh my god, I'm gonna drive you. We are not friends tonight. We are not friends. My goal is to drive you crazy. Are you tonight. sure that you're not thinking of fucking Brad Pitt with how wrong you've been tonight? <laughs> you see? 
<laughs> God, I know, <laughs> but I want to say bullet train. <laughs> you're you're over here fucking Ocean's Eleven ass. <laughs> well, it's 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 dementia. It's setting in on me. <laughs> Need you to fucking fuck it. But no, man, that's all. I just want to talk about Mendez real quick. Bring up that little snippet of Oni because they'll come up either in this episode or the next episode, and that's it. That's all I had. And I'm gonna let you go ahead. I know you've been waiting. Go forth and fucking perish. No, oh, perish, thank you. Bless you. <laughs> All right, so. <clears throat> Moment of truth, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we are going to talk about July 12th, 2519. So it's it's been, a, it's been about a year, year or two into the kids' training. They're a little bit older. They're a little bit wiser. And they are about to do a training exercise in the wilds. And if you've ever played Halo Reach and you played on that uh, multiplayer map Highlands, this is where they're going. So the mission in question, all 75 kids were taken to the Highland Mountains and their mission was they were all going to be dropped in different parts of the mountain, in different locations, and they would all have... um, Pieces of paper. Now, what the kids didn't know at the time was Mendez gave them all pieces of the same map that they would need to find the rendezvous point. He didn't mention it on the plane, but don't worry, the kids, the kids would pull it, pull it together fairly quickly. Um, the goal of the mission was simply they were going to get dropped somewhere in the highlands. They need to figure out where the extraction zone was and then... They were going to extract themselves out of there. Now, Mendez, once again, did it with a caveat. The last person to to be extracted would have to walk all the way home. And one thing to keep in mind, and this is with John especially, at this point in John's training, that does not sit right with him anymore. At this point in his training, you're starting to see that John is starting to view the other kids as kind of his brothers and sisters. And this whole, you know, odd man out, last person this, it's not sitting well with him. But even before John could do anything, he ain't got too much time to um, think. Mendez immediately lets him know you are the first person dropping. Mendez hands him the piece of paper and tells him, uh, watch out for wolves. Now, fun fact about that little quote. A lot of people don't know if Mendez actually meant there were actual woods in where they were dropping the kids, or if he was trying to give John a hint on what to expect. So... John drops, he's the first person, he gets down there, and John's kind of thinking, he's scalping, he's kind of taking a look of the area, he's getting in his surroundings. John thinks to himself, or actually he comes to the realization that he loves what he's doing. He's like, Mendez told them that they were the best and the brightest. So John is, is at this point, he's made his peace with the whole kidnapping this random program he's excited and he's loving what he's doing he starts taking in the area and this kind of blew my mind when i was listening to the audiobook he hears there's like a an owl hooing 
And for some reason, <laughs> fucking John, John actually follows the, 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 the who, the hoots. And it turns out to be, I believe it's, it's either Sam or Kurt. And I, and I didn't write it down and that's on me. It was Sam or Kurt and all the kids actually ended up rendezvousing. So going back to Soren, at least from his perspective of this training exercise, right before John jumps off the plane, he notices a giant lake. And that's where all the kids rendezvous at. So right before he jumps off the plane, John tells Sam, who in tell tells all the other kids, hey, there's a lake. That's where we're all going to meet up. So eventually they all get together at the rendezvous point. They realize that Mendez gave each of them a piece of the map. No one piece is better than the other. So Kelly has the bright idea to put it all together. Once they, they put all the, the the piece of the map together, they figure out where the extraction point is. Now, to get to the extraction point, it's going to be about a, a whole day of hiking for the kids. One thing that came out of the hiking, Brandon, is Sam actually had like the best ears and eyes at the time. So they were kind of using him to kind of view and see the path. Right before they they kind of get to the to the rendezvous point, they actually have a huge discussion among all the kids. And there's a dude by the name of uh, Fajad, and he tells them like, "Hey, before we do anything else, we need to draw straws to figure out who's going to be the last person." Uh, Brandon, what do you think happens? Everything goes completely according to plan, and they all get home safe and sound and get treated to a nice Thanksgiving dinner. No, scratch that. Red lobster. <laughs> Cheddar biscuits. But no, this is where John shows some defiance because he tells them straight up, we're not drawing straws. We're all going home. So as they get closer and closer to the extraction point, they they see that the extraction point is actually covered by it's guarded by men because I'm not going to say soldiers because um, in the book as well as in Soren's point of view when they get to the, ex- the extraction point and they see the pelican they see that there's about six men there but none of the men are wearing any type of uniform they're not they don't have any insignias they don't have any patches so the kids can't determine if they're friendly or if they're non-friendly. So what they do is they come up with a full-ass plan. So the plan involves somebody playing the rabbit. Brandon, who's the rabbit? Who's the fastest? (laughs) Say her name. (laughs) Is that one Kelly? <laughs> the Kelly Clarkson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Kelly fucking Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Clarkson, aka Kelly zero eight seven. So Kelly is the rabbit. Her role is to run out and get the attention of the of the guards to lure them into the forest. So as she's luring them into the forest, Sam is gonna play possum and let the guy know, "Hey, I broke my leg. I need help." Now, 
all the kids have secluded themselves in the area and they are armed with rocks to take these guys down, by the way. So it kicks off. Kelly runs out to the to the to the area where the pelican is at. She asks she's um she asks the guards to come, hey, come look, they need help for one of the kids, and she runs back into the forest. So the guard, one of the guards come and he's holding a stun baton, by the way. And as he's trying to follow Kelly, he loses her and he comes up on Sam. Now, from John's point of view, John's watching the guy and he realizes that as he's getting closer to Sam, he turns on his stun baton. So he knows that this dude is about to knock the ish out of Sam. So if you've read Fall of Reach, John takes his rock and he tries to throw it at the guard's head. Brandon, what do you think happened when John threw that rock? It bounced. Exactly. (laughs) I'm good at this. fucking missed. (laughs) He fucking missed, yo. But this is how this is why I love Halo Evolutions as a book, because where John when John misses the throw immediately after he he, he hits the tree, a swarm of 73, no, about yeah, actually about 73 rocks <laughs> come flying out of the forest. Right. Or the or the highlands. From Soren's perspective, when John threw the rock and missed when he hit the tree it signaled Soren, so Soren knew it was time to tell everybody throw your fucking rocks. What the fuck? Yeah, dude, it's, it's wild. John's mistake ended up being a signal for the rest of them, and they saved Sam. So, like, yo, they effing pelted Are home. Are you sure boy. that that wasn't on purpose? And John threw his rock as just a signal because that's what we do in the military: is the squad leader fires the first round to signal the ambush. Well, maybe from a writing perspective, and maybe John did it unknowingly, but John's goal was to hit the guard. Well, obviously that's the goal, but that's not the the end state that you're shooting for. But not, dude, based on what's in the book and then what's in here, John missed. And he, he missed. He wasn't trying to signal the other Spartans. He was just trying to hit the dude before he hit Sam. But it, tur- it ended up being a signal for the other Spartans. Okay. I buy it. Objection, hearsay. <laughs> All right, whoa, 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 whoa. Which are you? Are you from Johnny Depp's legal team? Objection, hearsay. <laughs> and not Johnny Depp's. That'd be Amber Heard's. They're the ones calling hearsay every three fucking seconds. They called hearsay on their own fucking witness. <laughs> like... Bro, that. There's a new video going around where it looks like she's doing coke on the fucking stand. Have you seen that? Oh, yes. I sent it to my homie. And yeah. she's like, yeah, she's doing yeah, it. Yeah, man. I've, I've seen some fucking some coke before. And that's that, that whole doing coke on the stand. Well, can you imagine being that ballsy to do it at... To do it in court? Yeah. For legal purposes, uh, it's totally just jokes. And I don't mean that. Because uh, <laughs> apparently Amber Heard's a little litigious. <laughs> oh lord well here's what gets really litigious so after the kids realize hey these dudes are not friendly yo it's full on attack mode so the kids go back so Kelly goes back 
she draws another two guards away from the Pelican, right? And as those guards are chasing Kelly, all the kids come out of the forest like a giant stampede, yo. They are hauling ass to that Pelican, and God himself cannot stop them. Dude, like a tidal wave, they come down on this Pelican. So... When they go in, for for Jod, the dude who was like, hey, we need to draw straws, he tried to take on a guard and got clocked hard in the fucking face. Got clocked hard in the fucking face. Um, fucking John, fuck, I think it was John, Kurt, Soren, I I forget who they, they take down a one guard and then it, it kind of domino effects. Domino effects that they are taking down the guards. Um... And and the funny thing is, after surprisingly they take down all the guards, um, they get everybody loaded on the on the pelican. There's an interesting conversation uh, between John and Deja. John is like, "Hey, um, I need to get home, but I don't really know how to fly a pelican." And Deja's like. I hate to tell you this, I can't let you fly this. And she's like, you're too young. And for a dumb AI, this was actually a pretty smart move. So she was like, I can't let you fly the Pelican, but if you hit that button over there and hit this button, um, it'll turn on the autopilot. So the kids managed to get all the way home. On autopilot. They left the, the fucking guards on the mountain, by the way. Yeah, fuck them. And, well, when they arrived, you remember Mendez did say, hey. And they said hello back. <laughs> they said hello, sorry. I was, I was trying to build at the moment. So John takes takes the, takes the fucking issue. He's like, hey, nobody was getting left behind. Um, I take full responsibility for it. And what do you think happened? Uh, I got money that John was such a baller that he went in last out of principle. <laughs> well, when John came clean to Mendez about it, John got the Ted treatment. And John was promoted to team leader. Yeah. And that takes us to twenty five twenty. Brandon, do you got anything going on in 2520? Uh, I got a couple things going on in 2520. Bro, the stage is yours, my uh, friend. Alright, so before we get into 2520, though, I think the listeners deserve a little breaky-poo. Ooh, a little breaky-poo? A little breaky-poo before we go into uh, good old Karis137 and her antics. <laughs> oh, shenanigans. <laughs> so go ahead, put your pants back on, go back to work for a full for a few minutes, and then we'll be right back after this break on you, me, and Lore. Dum dum. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Go ahead, take your pants back off. Do it. You know you want to. Um, <laughs> You're such a pervert. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead. Um, there's not too many things of grave import. We don't want to beat the hammerhead of uh, like, hey, training sucks. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so we're going to kind of skip a lot of things. We are going to bring in one or two other things, but that's about it. The next big event that happens is on September 27th, 2520. And what happens is, Karis137, the children are going through uh, physical training. When I say physical training, I mean they are doing like grapples that are like doing hand-to-hand combat. Um, a little side note I want to bring up when it comes to this character we're going to talk about. It's Karis137. Um, she was put into the Spartan program because she is absurd strength. Um, that's her thing. Uh, she was first noticed by Halsey because she was um, banned from her school to do anything physically, uh, any phys ed classes. The school did not allow her to do any phys ed because she was um, too tough. She, The last time that she was able to be in a phys ed class, she actually hospitalized some of her classmates. And it wasn't even that serious. <laughs> like... So what you're saying is she was oddly strong. Uh, she was she was tough. She was a tough broad. Uh, <laughs> um, black hair, blue Patrick, eyes. Patrick Swayze. Um, Patrick Swayze Roadhouse. You know she her file is actually one of the files you get in Halsey's journal. Any anything? Any any little Easter eggs or any details you want to share from it or nothing? The usual. Uh, nothing crazy. I do want to bring out that was of note um, when Karis was pulled from the class and the principal sat her down and was like, "You kind of fucked some shit up." <laughs> she was completely oblivious that she hurt them. So Karis was just focused on the game. It doesn't say what sport. All it does is it says that it was they were playing a sport. It doesn't specify which. But Karis was, the word that she used, yeah, the word that Halsey used was that she appeared to be oblivious to her unusual strength and the damage that it caused. And that's why she got pulled into the program. It's because she has absurd strength, but she does not know what normal strength is. She has no comparison to it. You know what I mean? Because she's, she's fucking young. And now that she's around all these other Spartans who are either super fast, super strong, fucking super smart, whatever it may be, culmination of all of it, um, she does not know what normal human strength is. She doesn't have that reference. Um, so when they're doing hand-to-hand combat, one of the handlers, uh, and they use the term handler... <laughs> I, I want to. I just want to stress that the term they used was handler, not teacher. Um, but one of the handlers attempted to pin her, and Karis just the way she was taught, she reversed the pin. And when she reversed the pin, it actually she accidentally threw the man. <laughs> and when she threw the man, um, his uh, fifth and sixth uh, cervical vertebrae got severed. And he died. Instantly. Instant God. death. God. Dog, she's not a little strong. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I wanted to preface, but she didn't mean to kill him, is one thing I want to I wanna kind of stress. But this marks, in the entirety of the Spartan program, because what year did this start? 2517 is when it kicked? Yeah. We're in, 2517, yes, We're in sir. September 2520, and this is the first death at all in the Spartan program, ever. Nah, man, I think it's, uh, that, that covers, that covers 25. Well, there's, there's a little bit more to it. 
I just wanted to turn my page. Um, oh, okay. That that was such a long pause. I thought I thought yeah, you were like, all right. No, I'm I'm I was turning. <laughs> I was turning my page, but I had the fucking folder because there are fucking folders that are in it for the candidate. It's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> you would know this if you had your diary. You shut your whore mouth. But um, okay, so obviously. At first, uh, Karis was a little oblivious that she just killed a man. And she didn't realize until after the fact that she just killed somebody. Um, Halsey actually... Halsey wasn't there for the incident, but she did... um, When she was walking from one place to another, she did see Karis outside of the barracks. And Karis was alone and crying over the the ordeal. And Halsey decided to do nothing and walked right on by... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but well, I mean, well, there was there was a place on, that she had to go. So it wasn't because Halsey was heartless; it's because she actually had a meeting that she had to get to. And I don't mean like, oh, super late for this important meeting, kiddo. Um, the meeting was to talk about disciplinary action about Karis and her. Uh, Mendez and Halsey both concurred that um, they were not going to do any disciplinary actions when it came to. Karis killing uh, one of the handlers. So what they did, this is the first time they all get gathered together, all the Spartans and uh, the handlers, uh, Mendez, Halsey, Deja, the whole crew gets together and they do a uh, uh, they do a memorial service for the handler. Um, it's just it's just for the evening. So they they basically get the evening off. <laughs> <laughs> from their training. Um, <laughs> and in typical Halsey way, it wasn't completely off because then she instructs Deja to emphasize the uh, the importance of military training. Um, meaning that she wanted to simulate combat conditions and in combat conditions, lethal force is often employed and that accidents are an inherent risk. So kind of reinforce to the kids like this isn't going to be the first one that you kill keep don't take this as playing you're not playing you are learning to do this in real life to do this that you just did but then also emphasize that what they did isn't wrong per se so they're trying to break that mental human barrier of killing is wrong with these kids and it it, honestly it works Um, Mendez does pull Karis aside and he has words with her one-on-one it's not it's not known exactly what mendez says but it does say that the child does seem to understand the situation after mendez talks to it so i think mendez had the typical drill sergeant moment of like taking his hat off and being like listen man it's just a game (laughs) like you're this is gonna happen you're gonna fuck up but you're gonna get through it and you're gonna be all right you didn't do anything wrong but we have to do this but that's kind of it for 2520 as a whole yeah, I don't really have anything else going in there. I have some stuff for twenty five twenty one. I have one one piece of twenty five twenty one, and it it just brings us back to Sor, and he he lets us know that they um that they actually started learning counter interrogation techniques. Yes, uh, and it, actually, John makes note of the counter interrog uh, counter interrogation techniques as well. Um. And the thing that John took away from it, I'm interested uh, to see what you're taking with it with Soren, but John's takeaway from the counter-interrogation techniques are um, that they, that seizing the initiative 
is the number one thing to take out of it? What did Soren take away from it? Hey, well, that kind of that right there kind of tells you the. Um, we may use a big word here. The synergy Ooh. <laughs> with the Spartans. Yes, that tells the synergy because that's um that's the same thing that he got out of it as well. I got you. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, especially like from the you know because those are two way different characters. I wish we had more. I wish I wish like that'd be a good one for insight into how all of the different ones were thinking. Man, that's a story in itself. What what I, I feel like there should be more stories about the different Spartans. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into a few of them, because another one that I do want to talk about, Karis, because Karis goes on to do some cool shit, too. Um, another thing I want to bring up um, in 2521 is Naomi Ten, who also has a badass story that's probably going to get its own episode. Uh, Naomi Ten, is uh, she decides that the UNSC equipment isn't good enough, and she starts doing her own modifications and all the trainees' weapons. <laughs> um... <laughs> Now, here's a cool thing, though. Um, Mendez let it ride. Mendez didn't see anything wrong with it, and actually, Naomi Ten became uh, their master armor. So, like, Mendez was like, Yo. like he'd picked up one of the like one of the modified pieces and was like, "This slaps. You're in charge of this now." <laughs> and put this like eight year old in charge of all the equipment. <laughs> And that's how Brandon got his start in the military, <laughs> But yeah, so I just wanted to bring that up because that was pretty cool. Um, that now the the Spartans are starting to take what they're learning and apply it individually. And they're all going to kind of around 2522 is when they start taking their own paths of the way they get shit done. So I wanted to bring that up about Naomi. Cause she's kind of the first one to fall into place and discover her her meaning. Okay, and uh, I'll be I'll be with honest with you. For me, I really don't have anything till about twenty five, twenty three. So, if you got anything else you want to cover, well, I don't mind if I do. Um, in twenty five, twenty one, Halsey goes ahead that uh, she basically goes on a tangent um, against Oni, and Oni listens to it um, because Halsey is you know one of their most trusted advisors, even though she. They know that Halsey doesn't trust them, and Halsey knows that she, they don't trust her. Uh, but she kind of goes off on them because in their efforts, she realizes that Oni's protection systems when it comes to actual coding and the software that they use to prevent their systems from being hacked is ludicrously easy to be hacked. And the reason it's ludicrously easy to be hacked is because Oni overdid their efforts in making it impenetrable. But because it's so impenetrable, it's kind of like the best way I could equate it to, imagine, if you will, that the Oni systems are the Death Star. <laughs> and that that womp rat-sized hole <laughs> is there. But it's in every single system of Oni. Every ship, every base, every single thing has that one same flaw. Because they went and padded every single thing the exact same way. So she kind of goes on a tirade. Um, and she does bring up something kind of important. 
that she wasn't just doing this out of the good of her heart to tell Oni that they're fucking up because this isn't her lane. This isn't what she's paid to do. She's doing this because she's trying to find a way to get around these systems in order to start talking about third generation AIs. Which become super important. Scandalous. Um, some other AIs that are, are in these third generation, which aren't the true, quote unquote, true smart AIs at this point. They are considered smart AIs, but they're not what we know in the Halo fandom to be smart AIs. But the AIs basically take a look at the coding and are like, what the fuck is all this? <laughs> and start cleaning it up, which Halsey is not so thrilled about because she's got uh, some under, under the table shit to do here in a few years. <laughs> In 2522, though, uh, in June 2522, Oni goes ahead and promotes Halsey. And they don't just promote her to be, like, senior advisor to the fucking whatever. But she's made the actual chief scientist of all of Oni. Like, Raise. yeah, so she is the guru for everything Oni. Um, saying she's the business she's the business bitch but she does go on to say that she does think the only reason she got the job because she didn't apply for it she was just like got an email it's like congratulations you're in charge of everything now um she does believe that it was because um it was just because oni was like it's been a number of years and oni was like shit halsey's been alone on this planet <laughs> <laughs> doing shit. We, we need to so in order so by putting her further deeper into Oni, they have a better eye on her. And she knows this and she does talk about it in her diary. But that's um that's all I got. I don't really have anything until twenty five twenty four, Ken Dog, so hit us with that twenty five twenty three knowledge that you've been getting. Ooh, so you remember how I told you it it's a brief blurt, but I do want to talk about it. Um, so around 2523, the, the kids training takes another, another leap, right? So now the kids go from doing like their regular training exercises with themselves, as well as with their trainer, their handlers. Now they're going to start doing exercises with other Marines. And one of the groups in question is known as Tango Company. So Tango Company was about a comprised of about 150, about 200 Marines stationed on reach. Now, when I say that the the, the kids won, so the, they they played capture the flag with the kids. And the thing to keep in mind with Tango Company's flag, their flag was green and had a star on it. Now, they started playing these these capture the flag, these war games with the Spartans back in July of 2523. Brandon, so the kids and the Marines played about seven games together. Yes. So with that, how many games did the Marines win? I'm going to go ahead and put negative one. Because I'm going to say that one guy quit, so they got penalized a point. <laughs> <laughs> this man is looking at my notes. But, yo, you're right. The kids waxed them in all seven games. And I, and I want to make this clear. 
These, this is about eight or nine year olds that are waxing grown men and they're not even augmented yet. So couple things come out of this, right? When you have a bruised ego, you tend to do things a little bit more grimier. So to try to fight the kids, they started using they started using live rounds, grenade like they they were used they were trying to kill these kids, right? They were trying to kill these kids. And matter of fact, they actually put one of the kids in the hospital for a week. So when they were playing the games, they caught um, Spartan James 005, and they beat his ass, yo. They beat his ass, and they would abuse any of the other Spartans that would show up in their area when they were trying to get the flags. And they legit, <laughs> legit, they were like, hey, man, homeboy fell fell down the stairs. Goddamn. So they were Soren's dad about it? <laughs> <laughs> and remember where we were talking about how eventually everybody around them didn't really like the Spartans. Uh, they would call them the section three kids or the freak section three kids. So Brandon, now that the Marines are abusing the kids, they're, they're doing all these things. How many games do you think they won? I'm still going to say that they won zero. No, so the Spartans actually kept winning. Um, when the when the Marines started cheating, one of the tactics that they did was they invaded the Marines' barracks. They laced it with, with flashbangs. And then from there, they, they popped them off and they took out any remaining guards with like sleep darts. And then from there, they grabbed they grabbed the flags and kept it moving. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So, as I stated earlier, the kids managed to beat the Marines. Did you know one of the tricks was they would um they flew a pelican to make the kids think their extraction was dipping out on them, and the kids didn't fall for it, bro. Like. And this ass whooping that they give the Marines and the trainers, this becomes a reoccurring theme and it gets worse and worse as training progresses, which is a good thing because that means what they're doing is working. So, but that's all I had for 2523, Brandon. Heard you want to you wanna take the kids to the future in 2524? All right. We are drawing to the end of this episode. In 2524, a lot of shit goes down. <laughs> so so this entire year is a fucking roller coaster ride. So buckle your fucking seatbelts. The first thing that we're going to talk about takes place in January of 2524. Um, nothing major happens, but Dr. Halsey receives um, via one of her encrypted networks. She receives a picture of deep space um, from one of her co-workers. Um, and the, uh, the contact, known only as JC, writes that um, as far as he knows, the scan of deep space, it's basically, I'm looking at the picture now, it's basically this big 
black blob against a uh, galactic cloud that shouldn't be there. And JC writes that uh, officially there's nothing that's supposed to be in that sector, let alone something as big as what's covering that entire sector. Um, it looks like cancer, Doctor. I think it's cancer. <laughs> So um, another thing that blows their mind is this was a 10-minute exposure. So it definitely had some sort of guided movement to it. It didn't follow any kind of patterns that was picked up over over the movement that uh, just some kind of rogue comet or asteroid would have had to do. They compare the, uh, the size of it to Uranus-15. And basically, the contact JC tells Halsey that uh, they would appreciate her input on it on a uh, on a basically <laughs> it's basically Reddit. <laughs> um, hey, what's that? What's that group? Hey, what is this? <laughs> um, it's essentially Reddit um, to give you an idea of it. But basically, put her hat in the ring of what the fuck it is. And this photo, the only label it has is Doctor Halsey made one single note on this photo herself. And it is a new threat. That is it. Um, but nothing happens. Like, that's it. It's all it for January. Um, it then moves on. I'm going to harken back to one of our episodes. You remember that little gent by the name of uh, Sergeant Avery Johnson? The baddest motherfucker in known space? Why, yes. Yes, I do. You remember some details about him and uh, some some bullshit encountered <laughs> at a diner with a whole bunch of bomb makers and shit. Oh, we're doing the right thing. Yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Johnson. Yeah. Um. So to tie it together for the, for the listeners who did watch that or listen to that episode, please go back and listen to it because this is where all the episodes we've been doing, believe it or not, tie into this point. <laughs> culmination baby it all comes together (laughs) um continuity bitches (laughs) the name of that operation was operation trebuchet not operation catapult trebuchets are better and um this is the point it takes place exactly in 25 uh june 16th 2524 that's when the assault in Operation Trebuchet happens, meaning that's when Byrne and Johnson go through, and that's when all the bullshit happens at the diner. And it has um, mind-blowing consequences. Yes, yes it does. <laughs> um, now, that brings us forward to August 10th. On August 10th of 2524, that's when Johnson... Yeah, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. Come back. I'll give you a second. Okay, welcome back. Surprise, we left you. We left you. Where you've been? Jimmy's three. Man. Um, but in August 10th, 25th, and we are getting to that point, and we're now we're talking about days. You notice that we've been going smaller and smaller time frames each episode. <laughs> now we're getting to the frame of weeks. We're almost to the point of days. Um... um Basically now, on August 10th, 2524, that's when he arrives back in Chicago and has the, that meeting with the uh, the USMC recruiter and all that shit happens. That happens August 10th, 2524. 
<laughs> Shout outs to Lieutenant Downs, baby. <laughs> Downs. Couldn't even get one. He got a guy through the door and didn't even sign him up. What a bitch-ass recruiter. Um, <laughs> um, this brings us to August 22nd, 25-24. And this was supposed to be a normal training day with um, uh, off outside of reach. Um and basically what happens is without Halsey or Mendez's permission, Mendez is present, but he also didn't give clearance for this. Um, they were going uh, through orbit to get to the other side of reach to a different training camp. And what happens is um, a whole bunch of quote unquote by Mendez interested parties with an Oni wanted to observe the children firsthand. Obviously, this isn't cool, but this is Oni doing their, like, out of nowhere. They just decide to check up on fucking Catherine Halsey's pet project. And Halsey's only fucking thing is she ends up going to the uh, the, the Admiral over it. And it was like, yo, you can't just reroute my kids. Like, I wouldn't let you fucking sit in and watch one of their training environments, like, and seeing how it is. But you can't take them out of the training environment. You can't fucking do that. They're not ready for it. And the vice admiral just basically says, "Oh, Halsey, you're so paranoid." <laughs> like, just totally fucking like gaslights this bitch. <laughs> bitch, please, I do what I want. <laughs> um, and but Halsey, being the ever clever fucking chess player that she is, she uses this outrage, which seems like a minor inconvenience. Everybody's like, "Okay, yeah, so what?" So they just brought them somewhere different and did this training. Halsey knows this. It really didn't do shit. But what she does is she uses this tantrum that she's throwing uh, against this vice admiral to go ahead and use it to kind of use the social structure of what's going on to uh, to request the production of next generation AI uh, matrixes and then expedite them um, with her new counter intrusion software. So that way she can implement it into the Spartans. More importantly, she writes to watch her back. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a lesson in climbing the corporate ladder. Dog. It's just, it's always chess with her, man. Like, it's super, it's super, it's mind-blowing what she does. Um, But I just want to bring that up because that's another thing. That's one more fucking piece that just gets put in this giant halo puzzle. This brings us to the next big thing. What big thing? How big is it? Does it's it fit? it's it doesn't fit. It's pretty fucking big. <laughs> uh, this happens on um, s- yeah. So this happens September third, twenty five, twenty four. Um, dum dum dum. This is where shit starts getting weird. Good weird, fun weird. No, I guess not fun. Just weird. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> We're going to need y'all to get real cool with a lot of things real fast. (laughs) So there is a ship and I can't tell. Okay. It is not a UNSC frigate. Um, It is authorized through the UNSC department of commercial shipping. but That's a whole nother thing. It is DCS horn of plenty. So basically it's just a, it's just a transport freighter. Wait, wait, horn of plenty. Give us the, give us the backstory. Uh, Where'd they come from in literature? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, so the the the, the horn of plenty 
comes from Zeus. It's uh, the horn of the goat. Uh, I, I'm gonna butcher this. Um, Almathea. I don't know. You and whoever. Me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So whoever whoever wielded the horn, they get whatever they desired. Um, and then later on, the horn of plenty is known to represent fertility in women. Um, and then guess what? For all you you normal common folk, you you the layman you, you commies, you you lames. It's the the cornucopia, so it's the it's the thing you see on Thanksgiving. Gee, <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like you son of a bitch, <laughs> like you did it again. <laughs> oh golly, gee Willikers, Ken dog, thank you. <laughs> like, are you playing with the audio again? No, no that was my voice own voice. Like... That was my own voice. I did that. <laughs> Good Lord, man. Um, <laughs> let your let your balls drop, kid. <laughs> but no, so the Horn of Plenty is doing a routine. Um, frigate run is delivering a group of melons it doesn't specify which type of melon it just says fucking melons um a group of melons um to ypsilon mia khalifa (laughs) mia khalifa comes full circle yo that whole reference thanks brandon (laughs) i set these things up do you not see my genius Are you not entertained? <laughs> is this not what you come for? <laughs> um, but it is a twenty. <laughs> it's it's covering. It's goddamn. You got me all tripped. Um, <laughs> it's bringing twenty five hundred metric tons of melons. <laughs> Big old round bikini delicious <laughs> jiggly melon i mean stuffed melons um but it's bringing these melons from ypsilon indy to the colony of harvest um specifically uh the the uh, the colony of Mad- madrigal i think is how you call it um madrigal but they initiate their fucking slip space through their shaw fukujawa i just love that now now that i can say it uh slip space drive it malfunctions um, due to an overload in its coolant tates. This brings it to an unknown sector. Basically, the slip space shits out, and the ship just goes to where no man has ever gone before. And in the chaos, they begin broadcasting, obviously, a distress signal. Ooh, what were what were they distressed about? Well, initially, ju- initially, <laughs> we'll get there. Initially, <laughs> it was just a we fucked up. <laughs> Shaw fucked us. <laughs> Send the rock. <laughs> like, um, we, we we don't know where the fuck we are. Here's our coordinates. Come fucking help us navigate back to Earth because everything's fucked. They can't slip space again. They can't jump anymore. Like they only have normal right. normal sh- uh, travel at this point. All right, real quick. The fact that you didn't you didn't even pause after making such an amazing Fast and the Furious show. <laughs> you didn't even let me react. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I didn't think it was all that good. I thought that was at least a D tier joke. Oh, dude, that D tier, double D, it, melons. It, and like that, continue. You're on a roll. You're on fire. You're on fucking fire. Uh, you should hear my 15 minutes. Um, boy. Um, they obviously orient their, uh, their beacon towards Harvest, or where they believe Harvest to be. Um, unfortunately, um, a different ship, <laughs> a different ship 
finds or hears their distress speaking before it gets to harvest. And that's all we know at this point. At this point, that's all we know when it comes to the UNSC or the uh, D- DCS Horn of Plenty. I want y'all to know when when whoever picked up the distress signal pulled up, Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise of Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, on September 16th, the distress signal actually finally reaches harvest. That brings you know how f- you know how fucking pissed, bro. That is a whole thirteen fucking days I've been dead. What? We don't know they're dead, <laughs> bro. After thir- if I called if I called nine one one and they showed up thirteen days, I- I'm pretty sure I'm dead. Or I I am what I'm traumatized for the rest of my life. Honestly, I'm surprised it only took 13 days with where they ended up. <laughs> like you can see where they ended up, and I'm surprised it only took 13 days for that transmission to make it. To be honest with you, <laughs> like it should have been way longer. Um, but that brings us to the 17th of November, 2524. Very miraculous day. A day, the second day Ken Dog has been waiting for. I'm just going to play a noise, a little audio noise for y'all. This is uh, Wario in in Mario Kart. (laughs) So I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to break my rule. I'm just going to read it correctly um, from the diary. I met my lieutenant again while attending a conference at the University of Calypis. I don't know if it was the dizzying pressure that I've been under, or the chance of reunion with a kindred spirit in a strange place, or something else. But I'm glad it was him. I.e., that's the day fucking Dr. Halsey gets it in with keys. So, basically, um, that's it. That That's it. They basically meet up. Keys was also there for the conference. And then that's pretty much it. They, you know, do the thing and then go their own ways. Um, it doesn't give us an exact date <laughs> of what happens. Real, real quick, I have a question. Did you know that Keys was Catholic? I, I could buy it. His whole hear no evil, speak no evil thing. Oh no, no, that that's totally not the reason. I'll let you finish and then I'll tell oh, you. Oh, because he he didn't he didn't do the thing. But um basically <laughs> we don't have an exact date, so I'm just gonna go ahead and break it here. Um a few weeks later, Dr. Catherine Halsey discovers that she is pregnant. <laughs> they said uh, Jacob Keys is known as uh, the mad dog, aka Raw Dog Keys, baby. I don't know why they let that motherfucker pilot ships when he can't even pull out of a driveway, but here we are. Oh. <laughs> but yes, um, at, now we don't know. We'll go more into that at a later time because some other shit starts kicking off. So did Keys. <laughs> oh, shit. But that brings us to. December 21st, 2524. If you remember in our episode about Sergeant Avery Johnson, he receives orders to go to the planet of Harvest. That he finds out in a drunken stupor talking to a UNSC recruiter. Um, on the 21st of December, 2524, Avery Johnson lands on Harvest. And to find out what happens, 
with both <laughs> the new mini Halsey coming on the way. The turns of events that are going to be coming with the Spartans, as well as what happened to the Horn of Plenty. Be sure to turn in to us next week for the next episode of Halo on you, me, and Lore. Ken Dog. Let me take us home, baby. Take it. Take the reins. Get me off the shit show. 2524 is a shit show. <laughs> yeah, y'all. Tune in next week. But y'all remember, uh, thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to hit us up on social. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We will soon be on YouTube and TikTok in the future. Uh, tune in next week. We are covering Harvest. Brand My new favorite, favorite planet. planet. My favorite. You my time. My turn. My turn. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny about that whole story? What's up? It, it once again proves what happens when you put a Spartan in a place they need to be. Facts, dude. You know what? I do want to do one more shout out. Oh, yeah. Lay down. Lay down. So I do want to give a shout out. We are experiencing an uptick in listeners. Meaning, y'all are actually sharing our shit. <laughs> Are telling other people about us. We have more listeners now than what we started with, which for a startup podcast is super rare. Um, so I just want to thank everybody who is informing other people about our podcast and saying like, hey, these two are idiots, but at least they're funny about it. <laughs> um, Remember, we're, we're stupid, but we're not dumb. We're y'all. stupid, but we're not dumb. Um, but I just want to thank everybody who has been telling other people to listen to us. If you are not one of those people who have been doing that, um, no thank you to you. You get no cake. The cake is a lie to you. Fuck you. Go home. <laughs> um, but no, please keep liking, sharing, telling everybody about us. We have done absolutely zero in advertising this podcast. So to see an uptick, it's 100% just from word of mouth. And I do want to thank everybody for that. Y'all are the real ones. For real. But with that, Ken Dog, bring these doggies home. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thanks for listening. Join us next week as we contact Harvest. Cue the outro. by Brandon Weiner and Kenny Gomez. Sound and editing by Brandon Weiner. Intro composed and played by the amazing Achilles Amistad. Transitions and outro composed and played by Sam Gibbs. Both of them can be found on Fiverr.com. Also, for inquiries, information, and most importantly, feedback, please visit You, Me, and Lore. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
and so much more. Thank you.